To the cheeseheads who want it fresh and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral. This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to a very special Victory Monday edition of Pax What She Said. Playoffs? We're talking playoffs, not just playoffs, but a victory in wildcard weekend to send the Packers to the divisional round where they will face off against the San Francisco 49ers. The seventh seed, Green Bay Packers traveling to Dallas, a place that they've won plenty of times, AT&T Stadium, take on the number two seeded Cowboys. And don't just, you know, don't just play a game. Just dominate in every phase of the game and put themselves on the map. The youngest team in the NFL, the first seventh seed to win a playoff game. Perry, let's talk about it. This was a top to bottom whole team win all three phases. Everyone played up to their highest standard. I couldn't be prouder of this team. I mean, the trajectory and the arc and the development from where they started to where they have come is unbelievable. I mean, I think my biggest takeaway, I know we're going to dive into each side of the ball into special teams. We're going to talk about it in detail, but I think my biggest takeaway from this is like development can happen quick. Do not give up on a team, especially when they are young, um, this quick. And we talked a lot this season about how they dealt with a lot of injuries. We haven't seen this Packers team, you know, fully healthy yet. What are they going to look like when they have Aaron Jones? What are they going to look like when they finally have Christian Watson? What are they going to look like when they have all of their preferred starters out there? Well, I guess it (laughs) looks like this. Um, They still were missing two, I think, preferred starters in David Bakhtiari, naturally, and AJ Dillon. That's it. When they have their full arsenal out there, they hang 48 on one of the best defenses in the league and the two seed in the NFC. This team needs to be taken seriously now. Um, I understand why they were not because of the way the season started, because of what you just said, them being so young, because they are the seventh seed. I understand that they were the underdog. You and I even went into this game being like, we think they can be competitive. Can they walk out with a win? I'm not sure. Well, this team deserves to be taken seriously now. Um, We will go into this next matchup in a later episode so we will not look too far ahead we're gonna just look at this beautiful win that was but my big takeaway is like this team has arrived um it is a long season it was accelerated development for this young team and they look like contenders right now yeah and i i'm glad you talked about development and how it can happen quickly because one of the things that we said all season, you know, especially in that that early stretch when they weren't putting up a ton of points, they had struggled to eclipse 20, you know, 18 points, 20 points, 13 points, 17 points, 10 points. It was just it wasn't looking good. And we kept saying, like, you know, there's a rotating arsenal right now. Jordan Love doesn't have his guys. Everybody's kind of learning the offense. The offensive line is still piecemeal. Like, we don't know who their preferred starters are. And then when things came together, the patience actually paid off and it's a testament to Matt LaFleur and the coaching staff. It's a testament to the young guys and the way they study. I mean, 
I think LaFleur has shouted out just about every single young player in the locker room saying, oh, Tucker Craft, he's always in here studying. Oh, so-and-so, they're always, you know, in the playbook. And that's the kind of stuff that makes this young team so special is because they might be young, but they're they're doing it to a level that we haven't seen even this season. I mean, 48 points on the road in a playoff game is ridiculous. Jordan Love having the best passer rating pretty much would have been perfect for a playoff debut. Just beyond impressive stuff. And yeah. um, let's talk about the wide receivers first. But I think I think we'll kind of dive into this one in a, in a number of different ways because there's just so much to say about every phase of this game. Yeah, I think hard work really pays off. Like you said, I mean, they have clearly put in the work and they have they believed in themselves. And, you know, we spent a large chunk of this season um, without a wide receiver who had an 100 yard game. Now we're going on a number of weeks where each different wide receiver has had a day where they have taken off. And I think that's the beauty of the makeup of this team. You and I have said this team doesn't need a one. And we were talking pre-show about how we think that that's actually why this team is so dangerous, right? Because they have a guy who can go off in various different games, depending on what the weakness of the opposing defense is. One week, it's going to be Jaden Reed because they need that speed. One week, it's going to be Dontavian Wicks. One week, it's going to be Romeo Dobbs. And that week was this week. Him and Jordan Love, we've heard since last offseason, have had this just like chemistry and connection because they've been practicing together for so long. We were wondering, you know, who of the second year guys was going to step up this season as the quote unquote vet. Um, Christian, unfortunately, has been battling an injury, but Romeo has been the picture of consistency. And sometimes I think consistency can be overlooked because it's not flashy and it doesn't jump off the page. And he's not like, you know, the stat guy and he doesn't always find the end zone. And like I said, he's just consistent. And I feel like that consistency really just, it just paid off in this game. He was always right where he needed to be. He found the holes in the Cowboys zones. And that's not to say that he wasn't helped out by his, by his teammates, right? Christian Watson being back was huge to take defenses away with his speed. Jaden Reed still being on the field is important, even if he doesn't get a, doesn't get a catch. You know, we'll, we'll talk about the run game, but like the run game being as potent as it was in this game, also really important for stretching this Cowboys defense. But Romeo just, he had six targets. He caught every single one of them, 151 yards, he even got a tud. Just again, the, the picture of consistency is sometimes all you really need. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned, you know, the Christian Watson thing, because there were a couple times where he's pulling, you know, the safeties into the middle of the field and then Romeo Dobbs leaks out and picks up a huge gain. So just the impact that all of them have for their different roles on offense and um, not to oversimplify, but, you know, you look at the Cowboys and what they've done with like CeeDee Lamb is incredible. 1700 receiving yards, like just a top tier player, one of the probably top five receivers in the NFL. The Packers were able to mitigate him in this game and they needed someone else to kind of step up. And it was hard to to make that happen for the Packers offense because they don't have like a true one. You know, Cowboys, let's say, you know, they're like, hey, we're going to game plan for Christian Watson. 
that's when you get the Romeo Dobbs game, you know, and even if you're game planning for like the Jaden Reed end arounds and his speed, then all of a sudden now you have to account for Dontavian Wicks in the middle of the field. Like there's just always someone available and it's okay for this offense and the way that Matt LaFleur has designed the offense. You don't need a CD lamb necessarily. Would it be great? Sure. Could one of the receivers be that guy? Sure. Like we have, but you know, the, the offense gets, to spread the ball around and everybody's making the most of their opportunities. Yeah. And I think because they spread the ball around and because you have to game plan for so many guys, you have to respect the decoys. Mm -hmm. And I really, and I tweeted this out and it's so true. Like you said, I mean, Christian Watson and Jaden Reed were really just decoys in this game, but because between the two of them, like, right. But because you've had games where they both have gone off, you still have to respect it. But then you have, like you said, Romeo Dobbs and Dontavian Wicks and the two tight ends, Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave, who we'll talk about too, who both had multiple catches for 52 yards and 15 yards respectively, right? They went heavy personnel in this game, I think, because they really wanted to test this Cowboys run defense, which is their weak point, right? We knew going to this game, if you can get the ground game going against the Cowboys, like Dan Quinn's going to give it to you. And even when they were up, the, the Packers were up multiple scores. You know, you know what they want to do is run the ball down their throats and the Cowboys are still giving Aaron Jones light boxes, which is like, Dan Quinn, what are you doing? Right. They, the Packers offense was, were able to do whatever they wanted against this Cowboys defense. I mean, literally carved them up. One of the things I wanted to bring up with you too is, I mean, Something that we've seen in past Matt LaFleur offenses, I know we're getting a little off script right now because we have a long agenda, so we'll go back to it, but is, you know, sometimes they take their their pedal, their foot off the gas a little bit, right? And I know that the final score looked closer than it really was. It was not. It was 48-16 at one point. This team, this offense was all gas, all game. I mean- Especially in that like final, I think it wasn't even the final touchdown, but the the tight end leak touchdown to Luke Musgrave. I mean, Matt LaFleur is just laughing at this point at Dan Quinn. And then that final touchdown to Romeo Dobbs. It's like we are going all gas now, absolutely not letting up. Like we are going to ram this down your throats until the clock strikes zero. And I know, you know, at the end of the game, like I said, they they kind of let the Cowboys hang around a little bit, but that's something we haven't seen from, I think, a Matt LaFleur-led offense in the last couple of years, and I loved seeing that. Yeah, and I mean, I think one of the things, too, that really stands out in this game was the fact that, and I don't know, maybe you felt differently, but to me, I was watching it, and there was never a time where I was like, I don't think that this Packers offense can score. You know, they went down the field, and they put up seven, and I was like, great, that's how you have to start. Eight-minute drive to open the the first quarter. I was like, perfect. This is what you need. You get Aaron Jones involved early. You maintain time of possession. You stop the number one offense by keeping them off the field. Like, check, yeah. check, check. We're going through it. Then, you know, there's a Jair turnover, and you're, you're sitting at 14 points, and you're like, okay, yeah, they're getting a little help from their defense, but they're capitalizing on their opportunities. They're taking the ball away. Like, that's what you need. No, it, there was never a time where the Packers got the ball, and I was like three and out here I don't know it's, it's going to get pretty dicey like to have that confidence from your young team on the road in such a hostile environment in the playoffs to for this team to go out and put up 48 points and I know a couple of those were on defensive turnovers but still just to put up 40 plus just yeah. 
really says a lot about the dedication, the way that they were like prepared for this. And yeah, very had a lot of confidence in this offense and what they were able to do. Absolutely. And even when the Cowboys punch back, right? Like the Cowboys scored their points. Packers were like, cool, our turn now. I mean, it was just an absolute like punch back. Like, Sometimes sure. they scored too uh, fast. You know, you'd be like, Packers, don't yeah. know, take more time off the clock. What are you doing? But I think that's why getting the ground game going was so important because, like, they they got that lead really quickly, really early. All of a sudden you're up, what, 20 to nothing, and now you can just control the outcome of this game. I mean, it's the second quarter now, and – it's like, okay, now we can just run Aaron Jones. And originally, you know, those runs weren't going really anywhere. It's getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage, two yards, three yards, but they really stuck with it. Like credit to Matt LaFleur and to Aaron Jones and to this offensive line for not giving up on the run game because they knew, they knew this was going to be the key. And you watched as it went from three yards to seven yards. Then Aaron Jones starts breaking free for 15, for 20, for those big chunk explosive plays because you start wearing down a defense who's on the field for way too long. And this is just, this is how you break, this is how you break a team. (laughs) So let's talk about Aaron Jones. Then let's segue into that because we had said, obviously going into this game, he's got a very prolific career in Dallas from El Paso, loves to play in Texas. He gets to come back. And, you know, we thought like Aaron Jones going to be one of the keys to success going into this game. I don't think any of us were like, yeah, Aaron Jones is going to get three touchdowns in this game. <laughs> like that, that was just Aaron Jones being Aaron Jones, 118 yards on 21 attempts, 5.6 yard average, long of 27 for, I mean, we said like you, you mentioned it already on this show that uh, Dan Quinn's defense was giving up like 112 yards on the ground. So that was their one weak point was the one game, the the one game, the run game. And then you get, you know, Aaron Jones and company to come out 143 yards on the ground. And just, Mm -hmm. and for the Cowboys to have also one time of possession is just so wild because when you look at those kinds of scores, you think like, oh, you know, the Packers must have just held the ball a ton burned clock you know with the run game no the Packers were just scoring so quickly that the Cowboys would get the ball back and in turn them trying to just march down the field took time off the clock and you know attributed to their time of possession it's true it's so true I mean I would have loved to have seen more um but Aaron I mean Aaron Jones is a special player I don't think that we really need to say too much more about Aaron Jones than we've already said. I mean, regular listeners of the show know how you and I both feel there's we're running out of adjectives (laughs) to describe, you know, what he brings to this offense. I think there's a level of explosiveness that is not mirrored in any of the other running backs in this, on this team. Um, He will be back in 2024. It's really just a matter of negotiating that number. Um, I think anyone who is a fan of this team or watches this team should want him back on this team because what he brings to this offense is dynamic. And I would love a compliment to him in whatever form that may be. Um, But I think also kudos to this offensive line. I mean, I thought I I did a little rewatch this morning um, because why not fun. Um, (laughs) And It was really awesome. I mean, I would say going into this season, you know that you have really strong tackles, 
Right. You, you know, Rashid Walker, again, talk about development, has developed into a really solid left tackle. You know that Zach Tom is now becoming like one of the best right tackles in the league. But and Elton is Elton. Um, but in terms of, you know, right guard and center is really like the weak point of this offensive line. And kudos to Josh Myers and the rotation between Runyon and, and Sean Ryan that they did in this game, because all five block their asses off. It is not easy to block this front. It is not easy to block Mike Parsons. They all got involved. I think, like I mentioned before, they did heavy personnel. They very often had two tight ends in there, not just for chipping and pass protection, but also for run blocking, right? Luke and Tucker Craft have become excellent run blockers for Aaron Jones. So it was basically like a seven man <laughs> front to get this run game going. And I really think it was the difference in this game. You mentioned it for time of possession and for handling, you know, owning and dominating the game, but also just in terms of like team effort. Um, we knew going into this, like if you can get the ground game going, like the backers could walk away with a win. Um, yeah. One eighteen and three touchdowns, I think is, it's always going to be a recipe for success. So yeah. I had to I had to shout out the offensive line though because I think very often they they get overlooked, especially when we haven't even talked about him yet. But when your quarterback is playing as well as he is, right? Naturally, a lot of the success is going to fall on him. But so much of that success comes from when your offensive line is is playing as well as they are. And they have not played this well all season, right? Like there were times early in the season where you watch this game and you're like, mm. they cannot run block for shit. <laughs> they could not get anything going. Right. And so we talk a lot about development and I think getting the best five out there was a process and they look really good right now. Yeah. And I mean, like even pulling up some of these numbers, you know, Rashid Walker, 21 pass blocking snaps, zero sacks, zero pressures. Like Micah Parsons dominates games. We have seen him do that. That was one of the keys. You mentioned it. They were going to move him around. He was going to attack from all angles as he does. And Rashid Walker and Zach Tom just completely stonewalled him. And even, you know, when Jordan Love had the pressure in his face, which we will talk about in just a second here, but I did want to pull up these numbers because I just thought they were beyond impressive talking about your left tackle and right tackle of the future and what this offensive line looks like in 2024, the season, not the year we are in the year, <laughs> but not to look too far ahead, but they got some good ones. Rashid Walker's pass blocking grade from PFF 88.3. That's ridiculous. Zach yeah. Tom's run blocking grade 91.4. Like, one of the things we said about this offensive line early in the season was really good in pass pro, really solid, cannot run block. And that was part of why the run game wasn't getting going early. Mm -hmm. Then you see Zach Tom out there and you're like, oh my God, he is a people mover. And these are such exciting developments for a young offense that looked pretty good in the passing game most of the season and struggled in the run game. Now you've got guys that can do both on your offensive line. Like, okay, look out. Yeah. And I really, I really do think like the come up of Tucker Craft also yeah. needs to be needs to be said. I mean, we've talked over the course of the years of Matt LaFleur in Green Bay as a head coach about how much he values wide receivers who can block. It's a it's a whole team effort blocking in the run game. And like when you pair that with an incredible explosive back like Aaron Jones, you get three, four, was it three weeks in a row of over a hundred yard games four and weeks four weeks now. 
And again, we're not to look too far ahead now because we're looking to talk about this game, but I think it's going to, again, be a huge key moving forward. Um, okay. We've spent 19 minutes and we have not talked about Jordan Love yet. So sorry to bury the lead for everyone listening, but <laughs> oh my God. Um, you mentioned it 16 of 21, 272, three tuds, no interceptions, no turnovers, no fumbles, no nothing. Nearly perfect, except for one last completion at the end of the game. I'm going to just pretend it was perfect. What we did not mention was uh, best QBR in a playoff game in modern NFL history. Guess who's number two? CJ Stroud against the Browns <laughs> this past weekend, too. So Nuts. the future is here. The future is Stroud. The future is love. The future is love. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just... If you watched every Packers game this season, you saw the arm angles, you saw the arm strength, you saw the flashes. There were always, there's always a throw or two each game, especially even when they were losing, Mm -hmm. playing poorly, even when it was a struggle to even put up like three points in the first half or you were like, whoa. And all of a sudden it's all come together and it's every drive there's a throw. It's every touchdown. It's a, it's, it's magnificent. I mean, it's magnificent. Um, I don't, I, you go, I don't have any words. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. And we kind of joked about it when we were talking post game in the DMS about like, at what point is the rest of the NFL going to realize like maybe it's okay to take a quarterback and let them sit for a couple years and develop because we always had said right like what does Aaron Rodgers look like if he starts year one and has to just play and the Packers moved on from Favre and he didn't get to sit for those couple years and learn behind one of the best to do it then you have Jordan Love come in and what does that look like if he starts year one, you know, maybe he's a backup or maybe he's not in the league. We talk about it with Josh Rosen all the time like there's guys that have talent And they come in and they're put in a bad situation. They have to start. They don't get time to develop. You could use Justin Fields. You could use a lot of Bears quarterbacks that just rotate through offensive coordinators like it's a carousel. Instead, the Packers model is we're going to take someone before we need them, someone that we really like and value. We're going to let them sit. We're going to develop them in our system. And you see the dividend in a playoff game in this kind of atmosphere where the moment is not too big for him. So like, when when is the NFL going to be like hey you know what maybe it's okay to let some guys sit I think it's now because I watched good morning football this morning and they were all like in 12 years when yep. the Packers take a quarterback in the first round when they don't need one I am no longer going to freak out because I guess this is the model so I think the Packers model has proven worthy and true and look it only works if you have a starter that's good enough to have someone sit behind. Right. right? So, you know, you're, you're playing with, you know, you're playing ahead of the curve here, but there's so much kudos to go around um, on the development of Jordan Love to Matt, to Goot, to Tom Clements, to Jordan himself, who over the course of three years, I'm sure has put in so much work 
um, from the beginning of the season to now, I mean, he looks like a different quarterback. He has learned on the fly. I mean, there are literal plays that I have replicated from the beginning of the season to games most recently where he missed an open receiver or he didn't, you know, hit a guy and now he's hitting them. Like it is to be able to absorb and then replicate in real time is unbelievable to me. And you mentioned it and we mention it every week, but like there is an intangible energy about him, a quiet confidence, a I'm meant to be here aura. Right mm-hmm. of I am a franchise QB. It is a confidence that we've come to know in past quarterbacks, and it's awesome to see. And you can tell. I mean, the guys have been saying it in the locker room for months. Uh, they've been saying it since last off season. They've been saying it, and it just took us until now to really listen because. They've been believing in Jordan Love since before anyone else. So maybe listen to the guys in the locker room who actually play with the dude. Um, I feel like every time he touches the ball, every time the Packers are on offense, and you said this before, good things happen. Like I, It's an incredible to trust that when he lets the ball go, like I believe it's going to be a completion. Mm-hmm. Like I believe that when they are in the red zone, it's going to end in seven now. Like that is an unbelievable place to be in your first year as a starter. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's not hyperbolic for this team that's been around him all season. Like you look at Rashawn Gary, how he always said, stop playing with him. And Devondre Campbell, like he can be a starting quarterback in this league. Like he's better than a lot of starters that are out there last season. You know, when he's backing up Aaron Rodgers, like the guys see it, they're fully aware of it. And the thing that I, I love so much about this team is that, they just rally so hard around one another and they're so supportive of each other. And like Jordan could have gone out there and talked his talk and we've, we saw him do that a little bit, you know, in some moments like during the season, but he's always kind of been like the quiet confidence. He does. He lets his actions speak for him, right? He lets his play on the field speak. He doesn't have to say anything. So the fact that his guys will say those things for him it's just a testament to this team and the closeness of the locker room. Like guys are always hyping each other up regardless of what side of the ball they're on, regardless of who their locker is next to. Like it's been really special to see the development of this team of a young quarterback, of a young offense of, you know, ascending defensive players. Like just, we talked about it a little bit about what it's like to go into the playoffs with no expectations and to get to like fully enjoy it. And it's wild to think that we're talking about year one, of what we hope is a really long open window now for this Packers team where yeah. next year there next year there will be expectations you know like <laughs> the I well, hope all there, there are now expectations based on the way right. that they just played yeah right yeah and it's it's interesting like going into a game like this and they get to play fast and loose and you know with how many <laughs> done with that term (laughs) um but there there was an energy right and the ability to play you know a little bit more open a little bit more like kind of feeling yourself whereas the cowboys you could tell were like tight and anxious and like we have to win this we have to win this and when you play like that because we've been on the other side of games like that right aaron Rodgers seasons where 
oh, well, we don't know. Like this might be the last one with Aaron. We have to win this. Like we have to win the ring. You have to win the ring. And you're thinking ahead. You play differently. You you totally play differently than versus when you're just thinking in the here and now. And it's always been Matt LaFleur's kind of mantra of one and oh, every week you're just back to one and oh, go in and play your brand of football and go one and oh. And again, when you are the underdog and you don't have those expectations, it's a little easier said than done than on the flip side. But, you know, we saw it on the field. I want to quickly flip so we can talk about the defense because they came up big. Um, I think a lot of the domination of the Cowboys early on was due to the defense coming up with some big plays. Um, This has not been a defense that has created turnovers this season for this team, right? Um, They have not been able to flip the field in that way. And yet in the moments where it was needed, um, you get your star cornerback back. And right off the bat, he comes up with a huge turnover in great field position, um, which was just an awesome athletic play. And, I mean, one of the knocks against Ja has been he's a great coverage corner, he's great, he's sticky, but he's going to make a PBU, but he's not going to grab the interception. Well, (laughs) joke's on you. Um, And then, of course, the pick six, which is a way too early to call dagger in a game, but really felt like a dagger in the first half and just like totally knocking wind out of the Cowboys. Huge, huge play from Savage. So there was a lot of pressure on Dak. I thought Nixon had one of his best games I've ever seen him play. Um, So just like big plays from big guys and big moments. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear guys that really stood out to you, but obviously those two plays Preston with the final sack of the game, really sealing it off. Um, just a big, big team win from the defense. Yeah. And I mean, I think one of the things that we talk about with this defense was, you know, who's going to step up in a big moment. And Rashawn is always generating pressure. Preston basically called game. You know, it was like, we're not doing this anymore. We're not just going to let you guys keep marching down the field, coming up huge in that moment. Like, I agree. Darnell Savage had a fantastic game. Ja had a really good game. Keyshawn Nixon, I'm glad you mentioned him because I was going to say I thought he had possibly one of his best games as a Packer. And and we said, like, the slot is going to be incredibly tricky. They're going to put CD in there at times. You know, they're going to try and line him up against, like, Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie, Devondre Campbell. And they did occasionally. I just I don't think the stat line is indicative of just how dominant this Packers defense played. I mean, because if you look at it, right, 37 first downs from the Cowboys, 510 net yards like that is a track meet. We're talking about a team going up and down the field, but it never once felt like it was out of Green Bay's hands. You know, it felt like the defense was doing what it needed to do to get off the field and win the game. Um, And just, yeah, really nice pass rush all game. You know, Lucas Van Ness still having a really nice rookie season. Carl Brooks ascending. And not to get like too far into the conversations that we'll save for the offseason, but really starting to think about like what this defense can look like in twenty in the twenty twenty four season and like what guys you kind of want to bring back. Because all season we've had the conversations, right, about like who would be your safeties, what are you know certain positions gonna look like? And then you see these guys coming up in such huge moments, and it's like, okay, these are guys that the chips were stacked against them and they're potentially playing for their jobs and they're playing really, really well. Yeah, it's true. I mean, 
backs against the wall Packers defense is such a different Packers defense <laughs> it really than is. other time. Darnell is probably like the biggest conversation that we're going to have this offseason. And he plays that robber role so often. And you can tell he wants to make the big play. And because of that, he sometimes whiffs on a guy, right? And misses. And that was and, his knock in college too, right? Like he's right. a big play chaser. Yes. And you know, he'll, he'll miss the big play. He'll go for the ball and, and not to discredit that, like go for the ball, you know, I, I appreciate it. And then sometimes, you know, he, he read that route. Like he was in Dak's mind and I don't think Dak gave him the credit in that moment. Fair. You know, Darnell is not in all pro safety. You're, you're not gonna be necessarily game planning for Darnell Savage, but Darnell read that route and he jumped it and took it to the house. And it really, I think, was kind of it was the beginning of the end for the Cowboys, because I don't know how you come back. You don't come back from 27 nothing. You just don't. Um, the Packers took it and was all gas the rest of the game. I'm glad you mentioned the amount of yards the Cowboys had and just like the track meet, because that was something on my mind, too, where the Cowboys were on the field a lot. They were playing catch up. They were throwing the ball a lot. This Packers defense can be tired, right? This is going to be a tired, tired side of the ball who played a lot of snaps. Um, they're going to have one less day of rest. Uh, so that's something just to keep an eye on. I know that they, Matt LaFleur mentioned pulling the starters probably a bit too early. Um, I understand why he did it, you know, Someone gets hurt. I mean, someone did get hurt, right? <laughs> we'll talk about injuries at the end of the show. Um, you don't want something worse to happen, right? You're up 48-16. You're thinking, there's 10 minutes left. There's not much more. What's going to happen, right? They did let that Cowboys hang around a bit. Left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth from Joe Barry. Sorry, Joe. You called a great game, right? 48-16 by all accounts. Called a great game. Your players had a great game probably pulled the starters like one or two series too early in my mind. And Matt owned it. So I'm not going to like hold it against him. Um, but that final score just sucks. That just sucks because really it was 48, 16. And I think we talked about it on our live show, so we don't have to go into it too much. But for me, the last two scores were really just garbage time. Yeah. And I mean, you could even tell like the Dallas, like Cowboys they were so dejected like Jake Ferguson got the touchdown and he would just drop the ball and run to the sideline like okay yeah we gotta like <laughs> just like you know it it was a pride yeah. thing at that point for them to to go in and try and save a little face and obviously as we're recording this no updates yet on what's going to happen with the state of the Cowboys um but let's go ahead I was going to ask, do you, did you feel like it's funny that you mentioned that they like didn't celebrate anything? I felt like the Cowboys had no urgency, like zero sense of urgency, even when they were down, like they were draining clock on some of their touchdown drives. I was like, you don't even feel like you can mount a comeback right now. It's like they made, right? Like they I was like, there was one drive. I remember they were like running Tony Pollard up the gut and I'm like, okay. Sure. It took like 30 going. seconds. Yeah. It's like, okay. yeah. It was like the third quarter. And I was like, yes, please keep doing this. Clock ticking. That's fine by me. Like zero urgency on their part. And that's part of me why I knew 
even when they scored like that second touchdown in the fourth quarter where they made it 30, 48, 32, I was like, there's nothing's going to happen here going for two. Okay. Nothing's going to, they have no urgency. They do not seem like a team who even believes that they can come back from this. So fine. Um, okay. Final, final, we mentioned it. There are a few injuries from this game that we do need to talk about because the Packers are moving on. <laughs> uh-huh. So uh, they want to be as healthy as possible. Um, the big one being JJ Anagbare. Unfortunately, we did get word right before we started recording this that he tore his ACL, which is horrible, um, especially for, you know, you don't want anyone to tear the ACL, but JJ has had such a great come up of a season. He has been a really key rotational player, um, not just in the pass rush, but in the run game too. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, really sucks to see him go down. That was like the biggest one, I think, um, out of this game. Uh, Ja obviously left with the ankle. Um, don't know what's going to happen there. I saw him walking into the locker room post game. So hopefully it's not too bad. Um, of course, McDuffie with the stinger and then Quay left the game who looked banged up, but we haven't seen any kind of injury designation from him. So just a few names to keep an eye on, but the offense came out unscathed, which is a great sign. And then those three injuries on the defense, um, we will just watch over the course of the week. Yeah. We're going to start the, uh, the campaign early, but the bring Isaiah McDuffie back in 2024, campaign because he has been such a difference maker in the middle of the defense he can play the run he's athletic athletic enough to you know play a little bit in the passing game you don't necessarily love him to do that but he just always has a nose for the ball especially as a run defender so you know really like the progression that he's made when he's gotten his opportunities on the defensive side of the ball and yeah I mean like we said the Packers now moving on to play San Fran the third ranked offense in the third ranked defense in points for and points against. So another really good test. Packers will obviously be up for the task of going to Santa Clara and we will talk about it probably Thursday. We'll have that episode dropping. So make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS podcast. Find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. You can find the podcast on YouTube. Please like each episode and subscribe to the channel. If you don't already, If you're listening to the audio format, thank you so much for downloading the shows. We really appreciate that as well. Packers are in the playoffs. They're still in it. They're one of four teams left in the NFC, and we get to talk about it. Maggie, the Packers are going to divisional round. (laughs) Can you believe it? Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. (laughs) What a season for this young team, and there's more of it to come. So we'll be back on Thursday. Thank you so much for joining us. Can't wait to talk about the divisional round of the playoffs. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.